This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. How you doing? Hope you're well. Hope you're living, loving, and learning. I just got off my weekend in Sacramento. Thank you to everybody who came out to the Sacramento Punchline, especially my girl, Christina Evans, who um, was supposed to get a Patreon ticket, but I fucked it up. It's important we, it's important we admit our faults and our flaws. <laughs> so Christina Evans... We got you, girl. We got you. Next time, we're going to take care of your ass. <laughs> Thank you for showing up. Thank you for everybody who came out to the show. It was a good time. Um, I also was in New York. Have I talked to you guys? Yeah, I've talked to you guys since New York, right? With Carly, our girl pod. Uh, we did our first live show at the City Winery in New York City, December 10th. It was amazing. December? Oh, God, what fucking day is it? Is anyone else going through that? where you don't know what day it is, you're getting your days wrong, your dates, everything's just getting fucked up. Am I the only one? I can't keep track of my days, months, or years at all. I've lost concept of time. That's what's happened to me in the interim of this pandemic and uh, us kind of getting back to whatever the fuck this is, which is a new normal. Take the new normal and shove it up your ass. This isn't normal. We're still not normal you know, everyone I know has fucked up some sort of date that they've had some sort of upcoming thing, meetings, everything. It's every single person I know. So I really think that it's like some sort of pandemic dementia that we're experiencing, but I still appreciate you guys coming out in the pandemic to come see me live, continue to do that. This weekend, I'm going to be in Rhode Island at the comedy connection Friday and Saturday the following weekend, I'm going to be at Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie, New York, the 29th and 30th. This is my wide open tour. And then Carly and I are going to be in Texas, Austin, Texas. Our girl pod, Patreon exclusive podcast, will be in Austin, Texas at the Creek, Creek and the Cave. The Creep in the Cave. The Creek in the Cave in Austin, Texas, November 18th, 19th, and 20th with a live podcast recording on the 20th. Come see us live. It's going to be a fun time. I can't wait. And we're going to have a spring tour together. A whole bunch of spring dates will be available. My wide open tour is continued through the year. We're going to be, let's see, uh, we, we just have December left. We're going to be in... The Mall of America, first weekend of December, I'm going to be at the House of Comedy in Plano, Texas, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. 
The 16th, 17th, and 18th, I'll be at the Mall of America, House of Comedy, Mall of America. And the 24th, I'll be at my sister's house crying because both of my parents are dead and it's Christmas Eve and I'm alone. And then on New Year's Eve, <laughs> New Year's Eve, I'm going to be at the Funny Bone wrapping up my wide open tour in Carousel uh, at Carousel Mall in Syracuse, New York. New Year's Eve. Celebrate it with me. I'm going to be at the Funny Bone in the mall. We're going to have a great time. A bunch of guests are going to be coming and make it a party. So celebrate your New Year's Eve with me. And um, as always, check out the YouTube page if you guys want to watch the video for the podcast. And click like and subscribe. And I appreciate all your patronage. If you have time, leave us a review on Apple iTunes. I honestly, you guys are you you fucking rock i have the coolest fans and i have like a a plethora thank you for the word of elderly fans and i'm here for it i'm here for the elderly fans every show i have there's a just a pocket of golden year puppies and i'm here for them I, i love that they show up and i learn from them so thank you for all the elderly fans that i have and for everybody else who's come to the shows i appreciate your support Um, this week's guest is a comedian I've known for a while and him and I, uh, knew each other back in New York city when I was hitting the pavement doing New York there. He is hilarious and has uh, gone through some traumatic stuff, albeit he says that he feels like he didn't suffer too much, but you know, that's all relative. And I think we each, when we go through things, we all sort of have a survivor's guilt and have a guilt around us not suffering enough as other people do. So I think is just a a wild way to view things because it is all relative and it's all about the perspective. And this guy is just hilarious and I'm glad he made some time to talk to us. And it was, it was nice to catch up with him because I've known him for years. I hope you guys enjoy this episode of a grief survival guide. That's right. This is a grief survival guide episode. I probably should have told you up top, but Hey, surprise, you should know by the title, now that it is a sweep. <laughs> Am I going to survive getting through this intro? <laughs> I can barely survive my mouth. Okay. This is Grief Survival Guide episode 12. Episode? Oh my God. I need a fucking nap. Episode 13 of the Grief Survival Guide miniseries. <laughs> With... Hilarious stand-up comedian, Mr. Kyle Gromes. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary. A deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's gonna get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're gonna get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. So please tell everybody what what you just said to me. <laughs> oh yeah, I just realized that you sent me a, uh, a link at 229, but it, it went to my junk mail. 
That's just so rude. Yeah, that's just how long we've we haven't seen each other. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think about this. When was the last time we shared a stage? A stage. I know we shared a a microphone, but it was a podcast mic. I think the last time I did um my podcast, but I don't know when when the last stage we shared. I I was trying to think that was like I mean was it New York? It could be. It must have been New York. It, it must have been, been New York. New York. Yeah. Where, where are you now? Where, did you uh, have you fled in this quarantine? Have you shifted your living situation like so many people? No, nah, I've been. I moved out of New York in 2016. I moved to Miami Beach. Oh, yeah, in so 2016. Smart. So I've yeah I've been here, man. And then after the um, COVID, everybody started flocking here. I'm sorry, I'm looking down. I just spilled wine. All over my my table. Oh, that's yeah. alcohol abuse. Yeah. <laughs> you want to clean? You got time? Clean it up if you want to clean it up and pour okay. yourself another fresh one. Yeah, right. I mean, so I'm, I'm I'm not one to stand in between someone in their in their wine time. That's that's yeah, how I, I survived. Jessamay Peluso on my show. I gotta have some wine. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I usually enjoy wine too when I do like podcasts or any sort of live broadcast. Red wine is where it's at for me. But I don't know about you. Lately, and I've talked about this, uh, I don't know if there's an alcohol allergy or something I've developed, or maybe it's just age, general. When you get older, it's harder to metabolize. I'll have like one or two glasses, and I, I'm I'm shot. The next day, I'm shot. <laughs> oh, and yeah. then, like, uh, so now I just take Benadryl. <laughs> Uh, gotta what? drink plenty of water. Gotta drink plenty of water. That's key. Um, how how has Miami been? Like how um, how was that shift for you? It's been nice. Uh, comedic wise, I feel like I'm uh, playing in the kiddie pool. You know, like it's a lot of young over. You know, they're like new, just new people, like new comics. You know, so. Uh, but there's you can do comedy every night, and um, yeah, I do have to go to New York once in a while just to get. You know, get my get your fix. Yeah, yeah, just get my fix, man. Be there is nothing like New York. I was just there uh, a couple weekends ago with Carly Aquilino. We did a show together, oh, yeah. Yeah. my girl Carly, and man, that the, the the streets there. You know, the energy in New York. I would make it similar to what it must be like to like take a hit of some drug that you're addicted to, and and, <laughs> and just get that hit back because it is such a magnetic city yeah yeah and to do and to do comedy like was that the first city you did stand up in where did you first do stand up no i first did stand up in miami actually my, my hometown in new jersey i did the first time i ever touched the mic and told a joke was um yeah in my hometown Amboy, new jersey i did a hair show and my ex-girlfriend worked at a, at a salon so she they had a fashion show and <laughs> you know, a hair show, and they wanted, I said, I'll do jokes. And uh, I went, wrote 15 minutes of material and went up and crushed for 15 minutes. And didn't, <laughs> I didn't know any better. You know, I'm like, I didn't know you're not supposed to do 15 minutes your first time on stage. Yeah. yeah you know? and, you, and, you, and you killed it. You're like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. And then I bombed like a few times after that. I did the same thing when I, the first time I ever did stand-up was in Boston and... You know, I was 19 and I killed, you know, it was like five minutes and I wrote material. I spent time writing it and I was like, oh, I got this. And then it was just like, you know, bomb after bomb, just taking those those punches to your body and your soul. 
What was the situation? Was it like a, a comedy club or like a college comedy night or something? It was. Are you familiar with Boston, the scene at all? Uh, I know some of the scene. I, I know like some of the, the a top of a Chinese restaurant that people yeah, talk about. The, the, and, the yeah, dunk, the ding ho. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah I've never legendary. worked there, but I know of the legend of the ding ho. Oh, and, God, um, the ding ho was the greatest, the hardest oh, really? room so you've worked ever. There? You, oh, okay. Yes. Mm. But this was the first show I ever did was at, at the tail end of me doing improv, which thank God I ended because mm. improv in life is fun. But to watch improv for me, it's 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 it's, it's let them live their life. That's cute. I'm glad they got it. But mm. I, I can't. It's a whole other uh, muscle and skill set that I just can't do. You know, mm. I tried. It was a group improv thing and it worked out well. But then at the end we were also able to like do stand up, And so we worked together to write our individual sets. And I did a show at the Cantab lounge, which was a downstairs lounge of this bar in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I just got, I was hooked from it. You know, I don't know about you, like wh what it was like growing up for you, but as a kid, I was entertaining my sister and making her laugh. And that was like my greatest joy. Mm. What, what for you, like, how did you, how did you know that you were meant to do stand-up? Was it something you always were f good at as a kid? Yeah, I was always funny. I was always witty. Like, you know, in high school, people would gather around. We would have snap sessions. I, like, would ruin my high school football team because I was always <laughs> telling jokes and making people laugh. But I never – and I had friends who wanted to be comedians. That was their, their, their thing. They would go to New York at night and, well, go to places – but I didn't think it was something I could do standing on stage with people, you know, in a room full of strangers and make them laugh. I was like, nah. And especially since Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy were like the people, they, it seems like they came from out of space, you know? It does seem like that. You know, <laughs> I think of like one of my favorites was always Richard Pryor. I just loved yeah. how he, he was such a bleeding heart on stage, yeah. you know? Yeah. When I think about the spectrum of comedy, obviously including women as well, but growing up, there were only a handful of them to aspire to, you know, but they were great, you know. Uh, but for me, I think of the spectrum of comedy like you got Richard Pryor on one end and then you have Seinfeld mm -hmm. and then everybody in between as far as like the styles of comedy. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like Seinfeld is a technically masterful comedian and Richard Pryor was the blood, sweat, and tears, the rock and roll, mm. the, you know, the real, the real soul of comedy. Um, who, who are some people besides? But, but I think Richard that Pryor? also, I think there was technique also in telling that too, you know, like to, to kind of hide the technique in that, yes. that realness, you know? That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point, which is similar to how you are on stage, I think. You know, yeah. I feel like from what, you know, it's been a while. Um, I watched your special. Oh, Brain really? humor. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so good to see you doing stand up and on the um, tail end of something we're going to get into and talk about. But I think you, you were always that sort of comedian as well. Like you're raw in your delivery, but there's technique underneath it. And you were, we knew who you, we know who you are. You talk about oh really <laughs> yeah you know sometimes know yeah. you see comedians and you still don't know who they are mm, wow. you know they're funny and you're laughing at them but you don't know what makes them bleed or cry oh, you don't know what really gets under their skin and who were some 
influences for you? Because I think we're all influenced by something and someone, yeah. especially in the art world, to be able to create. You know, it comes from something. For who, for you, who who was that? Oh, my first comedically, like Richard Pryor, then like, and I think like contemporaries, Chris Rock really moves me a lot. I love how he, I don't know, he he just he in that era of the '90s, and he was hip hop. And I would see him sometimes. I remember going to the Palladium and I saw him in, I think it was a red Corvette or I don't remember what kind of car, but it was like a sports car. And he looked at me with his, he had still had his Jerry curl. And I was like, oh my God, that's Chris Rock, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine him in a Jerry curl. And he, yeah, he had a curl. Like it was, you know, <laughs> or something like, yeah. And he, and then I, and also I used to work. TV graphics, and I worked in New York for a few years as a like a graphic designer for news, and I worked at NBC, and I used to work at 30 Rock, and wow. I remember going up in the elevator with Chris Rock once, and he was dressed like a, a green leprechaun or something, and, you know, I'm just sitting there trying to act like I don't know it's him, but, you know, it's fucking Chris Rock, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's a interesting performer who's really evolved his comedy's evolved as his life has evolved and he puts yeah. all that on stage yeah. you know he puts it, it going through divorce and everything on stage and i feel like you know to my point earlier that's why uh, you know i like your comedy and always liked your comedy in mm. in new york and watching you perform because it was there was levity to it and you know and now that you've been through this yeah traumatic experience in your life you know um i'm wondering how your comedy and everything has changed but before we get into all that this this is a uh grief survival guide episode i do these survival guides for grief mm -hmm. because i lost my mom almost a year ago now oh wow i didn't know that man. yeah she I, passed I met away your mother oh man yeah, you, hey. <laughs> you met nancy yeah, my little, sure little teeny <laughs> Um, yeah. and you know, I found reprieve in talking about it and have sort of evolved into these episodes of talking about what you do to your life and what you implement to your life in order to not just survive the grief, but to come out and thrive on the other side. And, and I think grief culturally has been limited to death, which I don't think is really realistic, but I think we, obviously we experience grief on many levels in, in, in many levels of survival. And, you know, for you, you being open to talk about this, you had a near fatal seized you into surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I had a, a seizure, never, never had anything wrong with me health wise. I worked out constantly. Yeah. I, I'm a plant-based diet. I was actually in a vegan restaurant when I had the seizure. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is a yeah. commercial to eat meat, yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah, I had a big Mac attack. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the impossible burger doesn't seem yeah. so impossible though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was in a public place. Yeah, it was in a it was in a, a, a vegan restaurant. Now can I there. ask a real personal question mm -hmm. and and you know whatever you're willing to talk about i'm following i'm following your lead but as far as having a seizure when you're actually seizing do you have any sort of 
wits about you? Do you have your faculties together or is yeah, it a totally. complete dead zone? Totally. No, 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 no. You, what happened, I started season and then your body, your brain starts to try to assess itself. I was like, I, I knew my heart wasn't hurting. So I was like, it's not a heart attack. I'm good. I didn't think I was having a stroke because I'm, they, who's, people that stroke are unhealthy. You know what I mean? And then I, I didn't know what else after that. I was like, I must be dying. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll just, I'll just sit here and breathe. And if I could focus on my breathing, I know I'm alive. That's how I knew. And then once I focused on that, I was able to center myself. And my body came back to center. And I was sweating profusely. And uh, my arm, my right arm was dead. And my speech started to go like I was starting. You know, I was just talking a little, it was just a little harder for me to talk, you know? And then the paramedics came and I was able to walk to the gurney and get in the ambulance and they took me to the hospital. I took my vegan food to go. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? That shit's expensive. Yeah, very expensive. And the stuff in the hospital will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the food Tempe they ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah. You know? So... And you were with um, your daughters and your yeah, girlfriend my daughters at the time. And my, yeah, my girlfriend at the time, but you know, my wife. And um, yeah, we um, they were with me and they came to the hospital. And, and she's then, a nurse, correct? Yeah, she's a nurse. Did she know and, what was going on at the time? Did she? No, she didn't know. She didn't know. She was screaming for help too. She's like, ah. <laughs> she didn't realize she was a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, there's no one in this restaurant more qualified than you, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> don't you got like a little toolkit or like a yeah, travel nurse yeah, toolkit yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah, does all the information hat? leave yeah, 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 yeah right <laughs> is there is there a doctor or a nurse in the house like, yeah, you're yeah, in my you're house <laughs> you're literally in my house yeah 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 so and so now from the time of you having this seizure to getting into the hospital are you in are you in Walk me through that. Are you in the ambulance? Are you taking an actual ambulance ride? I'm in, my, or did you... I'm in the ambulance and um, they what were you told thinking? my wife to follow. Um, when you're know, in the ambulance man. ride alone, what, what were thoughts going through your head? I really didn't know what was happening to me. And I just thought I didn't want to end up like Keith Robinson. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Keith, man. <laughs> But that's all I can think about, Keith Robinson. Keith Robinson. Because <laughs> <laughs> he has the, you know, uh, the arm. Because I'm always right. messing with Keith. And, you know, it'll be a good boxing match, though. I'll uh, tell you that. <laughs> that hit <laughs> me hard. Be Southpaw against Southpaw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Were you, did you have any thoughts when you're in that ambulance ride First, did you know you had a seizure or were you not sure what happened? I wasn't sure what happened. Um, and I also thought of my daughters, too, because I was like, you know, I got to stay here to be you know, alive. bro. I can't die right now. You know, my kids can't be without a father. They, all the wolves out there, they'll be vulnerable, you know. <laughs> but, well, that's a uh, good point. Like, did yeah. you automatically have that sort of conversation about death and and did you make any peace with it? Or like you said, was it something you were not willing to even accept? No, it death didn't. I, I didn't think I was ready to die yet. You never think, I don't know. You just don't think you're going to die. I didn't think I was going to, I didn't get scared until after I went to my first checkup 
and the doctor described what they'd done to me, like uh, putting drill holes in my head and then cutting and just all that stuff. It was like, what you did, what? <laughs> Where was my girlfriend? And, yeah, yeah. and I signed away for this, and, you know, it was like, you know. So right yeah. when you got to the hospital, did they do surgery immediately? No, no, no. They um, Luckily, it was a Friday. So luckily, they did have a surgeon on deck because normally I would have had to wait, you know, till Monday or whatever. And they could assess me. And he said I was stable enough that they scheduled the, the surgery for, I think, next Wednesday or Thursday. So from Friday. So I, I basically had six days. But in those days, I kind of started to deteriorate, like, you know, because, you know, it was a pool of blood, they said, over here on, on the left lobe. But it, it affects your speech and your, um, hold on, someone's at the door. Your Uber Eats is there. <laughs> is it your, your wine delivery? Yeah, right. Oh, it's my daughter's. <laughs> it was crazy hat day today at school. <laughs> Oh, I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, I miss those right. fun school days. Say hi. hi. How are you? Okay. Say bye. Oh. Okay. So the other one. Here, here's Mia. Hey, Mia. Hey. Oh my! You they are just <laughs> precious. Crazy hat day. That's adorable. Okay now. Watch it. <laughs> it's okay. The, I don't mind any background noise. It's oh, okay. like it's, it's, to it's totally fine. Yeah, it, yeah. Sometimes there's dogs barking and drills oh, happening. Really? Yeah, Gun, gunshots. Gunshots, and I'm like, oh, that's just Carl. That's yeah. the neighborhood crackhead just trying to get his. It's fine. Yeah, you had um, that. Uh, you were saying the front temporal lobe. You were yeah, hemorrhaging. Lo yeah, hemorrhaging. Ca cavernoma. The cavernoma. Yes. Yeah. We we like brain stuff on this podcast. Oh, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they um, yeah, they, they diagnosed me and uh, they said I'd need surgery. And after you know, they yeah, it was um, they started giving me like physical therapy, and you know, I couldn't I couldn't move my hand, like pick it up, and like with a pen, I couldn't even sign my signature. I had to make make an X, you know. How did that feel as someone who's been? able to live your life and be independent and have success in a career up until this point. What were your thoughts in, oh. in the interim of understanding what happened to you, having the seizure, waiting for the day you get surgery, which I can't even imagine mm -hmm. what your brain was going through at that mm -hmm. point, just the anticipation. Like, what were you thinking when you were realizing the detriment of your situation? It, yeah, I always said, and I said this is a joke, like my whole career, I'm, because I said if I ever get hit in the head or lose my memory or something, my career is over, you know, because I don't You said that jokes. up to that point. Yeah, up you to always... that point. Like, I've always made a joke, like, ha, ha you know, if I, because, you know, comic, I don't know how you work, but I don't write sets out. It's all in my head and what I'm feeling that week. And then, I mean, I jot notes, you know. I'm titles. the same titles of jokes and yep. maybe index cards with titles of jokes. But if you picked it up, it just looks like chicken scratch, you know, yep, it's, same. it's just a reminder, but I have it all in, in my brain, you know, yep. <laughs> and this is my notebook, my, you know, but, and then, and to be able to hold the mic, I don't know what I was thinking, what I'm going to do, sell pencils in the <laughs> train station. 
You get a whole, one ice cream cone at a time. Yeah, you're like the slowest ice cream man ever. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I hate, you want sprinkles? Yeah, I hate to even joke, man. It was me. I had yeah. the similar scenario, um, not nearly as um, traumatic as yours, but I was diagnosed with official ADD and I had a brain scan. And the question I asked the doctor was, what if my broken brain is the thing that makes me funny? What if oh, in the wow. attempt to fix everything, we take away what the magic is? Oh, yeah, right. Then you become like, hmm. Boring, like boring as Jesse made. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. rescuing like injured mice, and I'm growing yeah. organic arugula in my yard. Like, what am I doing at that point? <laughs> organic and yeah, I, I get it. There was an Did episode you... of the Twilight Zone like that. Yeah, exactly. That that's my worst yeah. nightmare: being ordinary, <laughs> being basic as hell. Right? I can understand that. What what were? Did you have any, if any, fears about? you know, being a father of two young girls and, you know, having a girlfriend and, and a wife and someone to, you know, these beautiful people to rely on you, what were thoughts going through your mind about that? Oh yeah. That, that definitely made me, I think, I, you know, you know, it didn't even hit, it hit me after, after the whole incident, I came home from the hospital and everything and I sat on my couch and just had a good hot, cry like a hot <laughs> cry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, it was heat coming out your face <laughs> I've never I'm a woman yeah. I'm, I'm around bitches who cry all the time I've never heard it called because your, your face be warm <laughs> it's so accurate yeah <laughs> Good for you, though, to let that out. Yeah, you need to have a hot cry. Yeah. I wonder if it relieved any of the hemorrhage in your brain. Yeah, I wonder right. if that helped a little. Yeah, it took away the bitch ass. In there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you yeah, do any stand-up in between the seizure and surgery? No, 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 not at all. My friend, my friend Razor, he's a comic. He came to the hospital and was telling jokes, but I couldn't even... I was trying to... Uh, uh, formulate a sentence, you know, that, you know, I couldn't keep a thought together. Like having a com this conversation wouldn't work. I would be like, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was, that must've been terrifying. Yeah, man. You know, I come from, you know, I'm, I'm, I come from a mother who's optimistic and, you know, so I kind of was optimistic. So I, you know, I never lost like, okay, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be all right. Yeah. That's a good move. You know, Colin yeah. Powell speaks about perpetual optimism and it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, necessity and, and usefulness in life. I'm the same way. Both of my parents yeah, yeah. were eternally optimistic. So, yeah. Yeah. and you know, we talk about mindset and, and how important mindset is throughout life. And especially in scenarios where you're going through trauma and having to grieve something and, 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 and having to figure out a survival mode you've got to have some sort of optimism, even if it's blind, Yeah. you know, it, it's, yeah. that's a survival tactic. Um, what was during this and, and, process? 99% of the times it works out. It pays to be right. optimistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Cause 
Well, when does your worst 90. fear really come to <laughs> fruition? <laughs> What'd you say? I said maybe 90. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably like 5%. We're yeah, so optimistic <laughs> about the optimism yeah, that yeah. everyone else is like, guys, it's like it's 2%. <laughs> it's milk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what, um, what was some of the, now you go through surgery. Surgery was about six, seven hours, I think. It was nine. It was a nine-hour surgery, yeah. And did you have any, like, any sort of experiences while you were under? I would imagine you're under. Nah, with propofol, when you, and you know what, when they put you on propofol, that's the stuff that put Michael Jackson to sleep. It's the same thing that he used to go to sleep on. Now this it's, feels um, like I was trying um, to do some shit. It's amazing. Like, And I said, you know what, I'm going to fight it. I don't even remember fighting it. Do you get what I'm saying? It was like you are so optimistic. <laughs> like, you know, I'm gonna fight this. Just, just I'm, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> then I woke up and I was like, oh man! And I had the whole surgery. Didn't even have a headache. Nothing. And when you come out of surgery, do you remember your first couple thoughts? Your your moment? What What was the first thing that you can remember from awakening from that? Uh, the doctor asked you a question. They always ask you, "Do you know where you are?" Um, this is a question they always ask you in the hospital, your whole stay there. Do you know who you are? Who's the president? Uh, what year is it? You know what I mean? And he said, uh, do you know who you are? And I was like, in the hospital? You know, Memorial Regional? And he said, what year is it? I said, 1969. <laughs> <laughs> you were fucking with him? Yeah, no, I wasn't. It's just like my, I was in such a fog. And that was the year I was born, you know? So maybe, maybe, maybe it was like I was born again. You don't know. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, I said 96. Then I was, he was like, uh, again, I was like, oh, no, um, 2019. Like, you know, that, that's when I corrected it. But immediately I, I already started to recover. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And what hospital was this? Memorial? Yeah, uh, Hollywood Memorial, Hollywood Regional. Yep, Memorial sounds, Regional. Yeah, I should yes, remember yes. the name. They saved my life. But, <laughs> <laughs> Memorial yeah. Regional. Yeah. What What has been on the other side of this, physical or you know existential? What has been the biggest change for you? The biggest. Uh, Maybe how you live your life, your outlook. Yeah, you know, just to be even gate. more. Yeah, just to be even more. Like, I'm, you know, I'm on the right side. I think taking care of myself, keeping myself healthy has made my recovery easier, you know, maybe, you know. And uh, I don't know, just trying to live as long as I can, man. And the next, the next year, COVID came, and I'm like, man, I stayed alive for this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but I'm grateful, you know. I'm very grateful. <laughs> That's hilarious. You should do that on stage. Tell me yeah. you do that on stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No, You're like I, I, and now this, like yeah. what? But I'm okay. I want to be here to see the Martians land. You know. Yes. That's, that's what I want to see. I want to see it too. I want to see all of that. It seems yeah. like all the f fun things they they've been trying to keep secret are coming to fruition. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like get your popcorn out and and, yeah. and you know sit it's back and watch all better. the crazy. Next next season's gonna be even better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have some questions from fans. Would you like to answer some? Sure. Okay. Um, I don't know. This maybe is something you know. JP Cower asks, Where's Ken? 
Ah, Ken. Ken's somewhere around here. Hey, Melissa, me or am I? Where's Ken? Oh, you got a pet? He's where? No, Ken's Ken's my daughter's doll that they make me take when I'm on the road. Oh, like, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So I'm not alone. And they, you know, so I start That's taking That's the traveling doing, doll. Yeah, yeah. That I have seen you post about that. I didn't know his name was Ken. That's a real yes, it's interesting a name. Doll. Yeah, it's a little Ken doll. <laughs> a little scruffy doll. You know. And you take pictures of it. You take him with you and you keep track of him. And, and it's yeah, and, and I start doing little sketches. Here he is right here. Say hi, Ken. <laughs> hey. What's up, hi. Ken? <laughs> Uh, he looks like every influencer in LA. Is- <laughs> <laughs> he looks like yeah, his right, name is Lance. Lance, right? <laughs> Hi guys. Listen, hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> Ken <laughs> is gender neutral. <laughs> I love Ken. Um rhinobuilt.com.au. I like Oh yeah. Oh yeah, good vibes only. That's a total Ken good shirt for sure. This person made their Instagram name, their website, pretty smart. Rhinobuilt.com.au. Do you like fennel in a salad? Fennel. If I knew what it was, if it's not meat, it's fennel. What is fennel? Fennel's a root. It kind of has a licorice taste, and it's clear. It almost looks like a onion. Fennel. Have you ever had fennel? It's pretty good. No, if I have, I, I don't know I had it. Well, you I might want to check. Possibly had. <clears throat> I don't, know, I don't know if they sell fennel in my neighborhood. Is there, is there any, where they sell fennel at? <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, we got you some fennel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, Unky Brian asks, what's the difference between a kitten and a hockey player? The difference between a kitten and a hockey player. Oh, is this like one of those questions a that are joke. jokes we're supposed to know? Yeah, it sounds like a, a dirty joke too. It does sound like a dirty joke. It sounds like there's going to be a, like you, you don't a puss a, comment. Like you don't beat a kitten or something or a hockey play. I don't know. Yeah, Unky Brian, um, come come correct next time with like a real question. Um, Unicorn Jess, what do you do to stay inspired outside of stand up? That's a good question, especially now. Oh, outside of stand up. Yeah, what are your what are things that you like what do you do for fun i was thinking about this i think about this often because our jobs are so fun but i'm sure you experience i live on miami beach and i have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old so my fun is parks and recreation (laughs) my friends come to town they're like yo what's popping what's popping i'm like uh flamingo park um (laughs) they have a very nice swing set and uh, that's so pure though yeah I could get you on a list at Miami Children's Museum. <laughs> we skipped the line. Yeah. I want to go to the Butterfly yeah, yeah. Conservatory? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's my life. They're like, you want to go to the strip club? You're like, no, you want to do book club? <laughs> yeah, there's a library. Um, yeah. <laughs> How about Peppa Pig? <laughs> <laughs> for real. What, for you, my question, just thinking about um, what you're talking about now, What what are some... Like challenges being the father of girls in today's generation with social media and cell phones that you've experienced, if any. Yeah, the, uh, the phone is they, they want it even and like and it's hard to tell them not to be on the phone because I'm even I know what you know that phone is my left hand always you know it's becoming 
like that. And I don't want them before they get natural experiences to be in the phone, you know? Yeah. I, I was in nature. Like when I was a kid, my mother sent me to live with my grandparents in Georgia on a farm. So I got wow. my, my nature, you know? What kind of farm? It was, uh, it was like they had pigs, chickens, dogs. It was, they had everything, corn, like you name it. It was like living in a Whole Foods. Like it must have been so fun as a kid. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. I actually have been writing stories, and uh, I want to either make an animated or a book, and it's called Pumpkin Town, and uh, it's a story. It's, it's stories of my life, my childhood. I had a, I had a dog named Pencil Tail who I used to go on these little adventures with, and yeah, that's and I, awesome. And I, and I tell my kids these stories so they could, you know, know about nature, you know respected you know animals what what is something you know having two young just magical girls what is what is something that scares you for them uh just like some days I, as a like, siren goes off in the background yeah, yeah. some days <laughs> my daughters will they'll have such a, a innocent look of not knowing and i'm oh. like oh my god someone could totally take advantage of yeah. them because they'll be like and I'll be like, like it'll scare me. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Yes, I, I, you know, I always, um, I admire men, girl dads, especially in this generation, just because I know what it was like to grow up in our generation. You know, being analog, analog children. I just, you know, I don't have kids, so I, I can only come from my female perspective. But I also just wonder what men go through being the fathers of girls. I just imagine the stress oh. and the consideration to be on a different level. It oh, had to be hard. And I did put them in uh, jujitsu. They were taking, yes! they were taking uh, what was it? Taekwondo before. Yes! But that was before the pandemic. And then the school shut down after the pandemic. But they, they, they you know, they, love, they, they, could, they could throw a two-piece. My daughter's I love a, that. My daughter's a two-piece, you. You know, that's awesome that's what they, i've been talking they, about like they, the... dip in, they dip and pivot you know <laughs> remind me not to mess with your girls <laughs> i might be the venus and serena's daddy yeah you know <laughs> make my uh, daughter's fighters know uh, yes i think that that is the way to do it i mean mm. they'll always be precious but if you empower them yeah. and they can be precious and survive all yeah. of the craziness yeah. that they're going to know. experience it was so crazy out there for like until the meet like women start really talking about it. I was like, really? Like, I'm not blind, but you don't really like it is people wild. I roll with don't move like that. And they don't move like that in the open. Like them creepy do they don't move like right. that around. You know? And it's such a you know, growing up how I grew up, um, and all the things I experienced, you know, just Gosh, I, I've talked about it in my stand-up, but you know, the first dick I ever saw—sorry, penis—was uh, a man who flashed me in the street in my neighborhood, and you know, there were just men and bosses that were inappropriate and just being grabbed and things being said. And this is—it happens so often that women almost become desensitized to it, and that's the real problem, you know. And so, it is important to talk about it to realize: wait, this isn't normal. Like, I don't, man, I could have been getting away with all that these years. Yeah, <laughs> too late. Too late, baby, now it's too late. <laughs> Cub Scouts ruined me. <laughs> uh, Unicorn Chess is another question for you. What did you want to be when you were little? If it wasn't a stand-up, what might else you have been otherwise? 
Uh, what I was doing before I did stand up, I was an artist. I was working in TV graphics, doing graphic design. I used to be a graffiti artist in high school. What? And then, yeah, then I said, I'm going to turn this into, you know, I, I loved it. You know, I used to spray paint, seek, S-E-E-K. My crew was the mob, masses of bombing, you know. <laughs> I was all city, New Jersey, top of bottom. <laughs> Showing all lines, don't get it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, I see um do graffiti, man. For and I've been art my whole life. I, like when I in career day, they said, you know, they gave me two choices, and my choice was either art director or like doing some art job or like a forest ranger, like being out in the forest with like nature. That sounds and, great. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I would know just be I, out there smoking a joint, talking to chipmunks. In a Yogi Bear uniform. I, I don't I know, man. <laughs> My social life would have been awful. <laughs> you say that, but have you ever had a conversation with a squirrel? They're fun. Yeah, squirrel. But have you ever tried to lay with a squirrel? They're not well, so much fun. Not recently, but you know, I'll be yeah. telling you the dating scene's a little yeah. a little dire. Yeah, so I'm not against scene. having a squirrel friend. <laughs> a squirrel friend. That's hilarious. You made what, a um you know, just touching on the the grief survival mode of it all. Um what was like out of this whole experience for you, maybe a lesson you learned or, or something that a perspective that was changed. You know, other than you saying, like, you know, I'm, I want to be here, I want to be alive, and I know I'm, I want, I have more life to live. Was there any other lesson that you learned through all of this? Hmm. Uh, I learned my wife was a soldier, you know, mm. she was there with me. My, my children, they, I think they grew a little bit. Like when they, they came to visit me in the hospital, I, I seemed like they were, in their eyes, they seemed a little older. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah, because we had all been through something together, and they even bring it up now sometimes. Remember when? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do. But they, 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 they saw it. They're good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and your girls, um, I imagine, besides keeping you busy, they're probably very inspiring because kids are yeah. just I, my yeah. sister has two kids and i'm still blown they say things and teach me things and i'm like yeah. how do you know so much about you know they just yeah. focus on like ladybugs and they know everything yeah. about ladybugs and i don't things i've never even thought about before yeah like that's what i feel like i feel like it's not me to even tell them it's more to guide them and then to show them where they could get information because they're gonna do with it and know what to do with it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. It's like I just have to show it to them and, and expose them, but then and let them let them get down. Because I remember, and it always reminds me of their age now. I think about it constantly when I was their age now, and I see where I saw the world, you know, and I'm like, ah. That's wild. The, the, like, the confidence I had and where, you know, even with adults, and I knew when adults are like, are you kidding me? This is, he bugging, like, you know. Like, <laughs> Like, you know, I have my own opinion about things. Yeah, I never thought about that because I don't have kids, but that's so interesting that as a father, you could sort of live through their eyes because you've lived through that time in their yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And it gives you like almost an appreciation for where they're at, but also yeah. like a little nostalgia trip where you're yeah. remembering what you were thinking at that age and what you went through exactly. at that age. Exactly. That's what I was exposed to, too. Yeah, you know? it's like time travel. Like 
we were given so much so young. Like I was taught how to get to school the first day of kindergarten. And then after that, I had to get there myself. I might walk with a group of kids, but you know, basically my parents weren't there, no adults. You had to get there and come. I remember deciding on my own to take a different route home. You know, I would never let my daughters take go to school right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, our parents were bold back in the day, right? Yeah. My mother go, made me take go ahead, the, get, the, get the bus. But the thing is, my mother made me take the city bus at nine. Like nine years old, I was taking the city bus. You know, I don't, I I've talked about that. that. I've talked about that. Like living in New York, yeah. the upbringing is so different. There yeah. are young kids that are traversing the city alone, and it's on a subway. Yeah. It's natural. It's it's, like, it's common. Is that child abuse? Are you, <laughs> yeah. They're just on there with a backpack reading the news, like the New Yorker. <laughs> what is this nine year old doing? Stock report. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know the capacity is what I'm saying. Like you know the capacity. So I re I remember that they're not completely morons. You get what I'm yes. saying? Like they, they know they have the capacity to do what we tell them. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like there's absolutely. kids in Siberia, you know, driving tractors. <laughs> yeah, and there's kids that are like heavily armed in the Middle East. Oh yeah, it's that's true. you know there's kids around the world are taking on so much responsibility in different areas that we can't even imagine putting our children in. And and you know our the way we covered our children here, I almost I wonder if it inhibits them from really experiencing uh, life in a in just a different perspective. You know. Yeah, um, I, I feel I, like I, I think of that too. When I'm like, I'm like, how would people in other parts handle this situation with their kids? Is this just part of American culture because we feel so? <laughs> yes, you know. And I think it is. I mean, yeah. we both traveled a lot for stand up, and I've been all over the world and just seeing the way different people and cultures raise their children. We really do coddle our kids. Yeah. And, and I'm not I'm, saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. I don't have kids. I have three dogs. That, that equals like one difficult child. But for the most part, I think that we do mm. coddle them a little too much. And, you know, like you sending your daughters to jujitsu. What was it? Jujitsu? Taekwondo. Taekwondo. That's what she didn't I like jujitsu too much because she had to get on top of this big man. And like she didn't feel because it's groundwork, you know, yeah. she didn't feel comfortable. Taekwondo is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. I just think like that mindset of doing it. Yeah. Instead of like playing with Barbie, she's like doing, you know, a combination kick. I'm into that. Yeah. I think that's smart. Um, I wish we had more time, but normally I have a full hour, but I have to do some more after this, some more podcasting. I do want to ask you before we go, I asked this of my grief survival guide guests. If, you know, what what could you say to somebody who might be in your scenario or maybe somebody who has a, a worse prognosis, anything that, you know, facing a surgery or, you know, something where you don't necessarily are, you're not necessarily dealing with death, but there is a grief aspect to what's going on. What could you say to them in, in preparation or maybe just some words of encouragement to help them get through? You know, it's so like, since this has happened, so many people have been reaching out to me about their brain surgeries. And it's been like, I've almost felt a guilt because I kind of didn't suffer as much. And some people have it where it's like 
inoperable or in other places where they still lost part of themselves. And um, I don't know all that. Like what what little Vu Duval's uh, song say? If you breathe and you achieve it. <laughs> all I can say is a cliche, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all I. Because I, I, you know, I feel I got so lucky. You know, I got lucky. And what can I take self, say to someone who's suffering? You, you get what I mean? Yep. And like, keep your head up. Hang in there. Like, you know, it's like I the know. irony of keeping your head up. I like that. <laughs> don't lose your head. Uh, yeah, don't. Keep your head up. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know, Jesse, because I, I feel so lucky that my I didn't even have pain. So it's just kind of. Well, I think that that's a beautiful thing in of itself. You know, um, even having a simple response like that is is going to be helpful to other people to maybe not, you know, maybe take on some of that perpetual optimism yeah. and and know that even if you're in a scenario where you experience, although you didn't, you know, like you said, have a lot of pain or, or go through um, a, a scenario where other people are like experiencing a lot of loss, that's not to downplay what you went through and that it wasn't kind of traumatic for you. Maybe there's like a survivor's like survivor's guilt, guilt yeah. you know, where you're like, oh man, should yeah. I have suffered more? We're so fucked no, no, up no. as you. Yeah, right. Like, oh. like I should suffer harder, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, but no, but I'm glad I did. Me too. No one wants to suffer. I remember reading about it, and I was like, "Oh man, what? I can't even imagine what this guy is going through." And I was going through my own stuff at the same time. And I honestly, I'm I'm glad. I obviously, you know, I'm not gonna be like, "Oh man, I wish it was worse for you." But um, (laughs) it's important. You're you're an important person, first of all, because you bring joy to people with your work. But secondly, those two girls right there, you know, you're raising two beautiful girls and we need girls to be empowered and to know that they can achieve things. Those are people that we want in society. So you stay kicking and you stay alive because yes. Yes, they need you. What, what city are you in, Jesse? I'm in Los Angeles, but I'm going to oh, yeah, be, okay. I'm going to be in LA or I mean, um, Florida, Miami, I think either f- January or February. Oh really? So For we should what? go to the Shows? parks and recreations. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the, <laughs> the the conservatory the where do you have the where can I, I got go? a Miami Children's Museum. I'll um, go to the museum with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I would love to see you when I'm there. And if you're ever in LA, let me know. Are you, you working? Know? Are you working while you're in town? I I should be. I think I'm gonna be filming for Netflix. So I'll be oh, okay. working and then maybe trying to just get up and do some shows. Oh nice. Around right. town, yeah. Sweet, sweet. But right. I appreciate you making time and 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 talking with us and you know getting personal. Yeah, and and now I know I don't have to stress about being a vegan, you know. Uh, but you should. Are you you're not plant based at all? I'm I'm mainly plant based, and then I I'm picky about you know any sort of meat or fish that I eat. I don't oh, I don't eat. I eat pretty relatively healthy, and I'm yeah. a little um, obsessive about it. But so I'm more pushing out me i go through waves i was a vegetarian for like 10 years and then a pescatarian (laughs) you know just eating fish and then now i'm dabbling you know i'm a vegan and a meat eater yeah i'm all of it but i'm i'm eating more um 
vegetables now. It, I, it makes me feel clear. Diet, diet neutral. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, please diet don't, uh, please don't label me. Please don't label <laughs> me or my food. I eat everything for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you look great. You know, if you don't mind. You, you look Thank great. you. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that. Let Brad Pitt know, okay? If you see him in right, Miami. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him. As soon as we we get put in a good call, word for your girl, yeah. please. I'm going to hit his inbox on Instagram. Yeah. Send him a DM on MySpace and let him know that you, you said that I'm looking fresh. Yeah. Well, it was good to talk to you, Kyle. I appreciate Thank it. You, Jesse. Do you have anything you want to promote? Promote Your special brain humor. Well, yo, brain humor. You could uh, there's a link on my Instagram, a link on my website. You could go to uh, brain humor. It's also on uh, Amazon Prime. And yep, and we'll put things. the link in the show notes yeah. as well for you guys to go yeah. and purchase it. Yeah, buy it. Real. It's yeah. only it's only nine ninety nine. Buy that. It's, is it? It's, I thought it was three ninety nine with six. That's bucks. if you it's, rent it. We got to tell them to buy it. Oh, buy it with six yeah. bucks. But you know, we'll get you. Yeah, right, you guys get you, it. Justin, thank you so much, Kyle. You take thank care. You for introduce me to your fans too. Absolutely. Thank you. You take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.